0: Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Warsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are here for another off-season episode. We are really at the point of our off-season where we start transitioning from free agency into the draft. Uh, but since our last episode, the Titans made a pretty big move that we need to talk about on the free agency front They traded for a new backup quarterback. They sent the Miami Dolphins a fourth and seventh round pick in exchange for quarterback Ryan Tannehill and a sixth round draft pick. Uh, Guys, your initial thoughts on that move when it happened and now that you've had a week or so to kind of think back on it.
2: Uh, Initially, I didn't love giving up a fourth round pick uh, for Tannehill. Um. Although getting getting back a sixth rounder, I think this year, um, is okay. Uh, and and then it came out that the Dolphins were, were gonna pay five million dollars of of Tannehill's uh, new salary. Uh, I think he took a pay cut. So, um, after all of the details finally came out, um, and I, I had a chance to digest it, uh, I actually thought it was a pretty savvy move. Uh, especially when you consider that Mariota has never finished the season um and, and it's pretty much a given that he's probably gonna miss games. Um just because of the of the nature of his injury history and just the nature of, of football itself, uh I, I think it's really important um to have a high quality backup. Uh and I think that's what Tannehill is. Um he might he definitely overstayed his welcome in Miami. Uh and he wasn't good this past year. Um uh, but I don't think anyone can argue that he's probably one of the better if not the best backup in the league just because he has that starter quality potential not potential uh, he's actually shown it before
1: yeah i mean i was i was really worried at first because the first thing that popped up on my phone was uh titans trade for ryan Tant- uh, yeah ryan tannehill and it wasn't like trade fourth round pick it wasn't any kind of details it was just a trade and i was like well, hell, like I know he has like a huge contract. I was like, surely, like they didn't trade on that contract because, you know, that was all we knew at the time. But uh, the details came out that it was a seven-year, one-year, seven, year, one year, $7 million-dollar deal that the Dolphins were going to pay five million of, which mm-hmm. is a, an outstanding job by Robinson because they somehow convinced Ryan Tannehill that if he was cut, he wouldn't make more than seven million dollars, which I'm not sure is true anyway uh someone i feel like
0: absolutely someone would have made him a starting quarterback if he had free agency
1: absolutely like there were rumors that uh cincinnati was interested in him in a trade and they couldn't figure out what to do so i mean there was a market for him um but you know i feel like that was a really good job i don't know who did that i don't know if that was on their side or on our side but uh and then robinson convinced the Dolphins to pay $5 million of a $7 million contract. So essentially, and, and it came out, I think yesterday that they're only, the only cap hit they're getting is actually $1.75 million. Uh, instead of the $2 million we previously thought, I don't, I don't know where that change came from,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but uh, essentially they're paying Tannehill an extra $250,000 more than Gabbert. And I mean, there, there's a substantial increase in talent between Gabbert to Tannehill. So, I mean it's a great move uh, in terms of you need a backup quarterback unfortunately we're at the point where you need a backup quarterback for Mariota or else you know you're just setting yourself up to lose two or three free games um and and that's great I don't like the response how they haven't said you know Mariota's clearly the number 1 like it's well, not I, even
0: I think Vrabel said that uh yesterday well, him.
1: they're always like if he's healthy and you know, this and that. I'm like, I don't I don't that's not what I want to hear. Like, because if you give any outs, I'm gonna hear about it on Twitter. Like, what I want you to say is Mario is our quarterback, we're going with eight, is gonna come in and be a great backup, and if he has to play, he has to play, and it'll be a great opportunity for him to show another team that he can be a starter for them. Like, that's all I want to hear you say. Because that's the truth. Like, even if Mariota goes into the season and has a terrible preseason, and Tannehill has a great preseason. Nothing's going to change, so because they have to know what they've got in Mariota, like it just it doesn't make any other sense. So I <laughs> wish they would say that, but that's just not what we're getting.
0: Matias, I heard a little laugh.
2: Yeah, yeah, the uh, the quarterback controversy. It, it would be as much a quarterback controversy as uh, Medenberger versus Mariota back <laughs> in the day. So what what a what a joke, man. I I don't understand people that actually think. This is a quarterback competition. Uh, and I don't really understand people thinking that the Titans aren't fully fully behind Mariota. Uh, I, th- I think they just need to see um, him within, within an offense that he's familiar with because he hasn't had that continuity, um, and, and they just want to see him uh, at, at his best when he's healthy. Uh, and I think it, it's just insurance. Tannehill is just insurance. Um, yeah, I, I didn't realize how good of a of a deal this actually was. I didn't realize we were only paying him uh, 1.875 million. Yeah. Um, that's really good. I I mean, it pretty much says that a fourth round pick, um, and a sixth and seventh swap, um, is worth five million dollars. So, uh, pretty, it, pretty good business by Robinson.
0: Let me give you this scenario: Titans after six games are three and three, which might have been what they were after six games last year. And after those six games, Mariota has thrown seven touchdowns to six interceptions. And he gets injured, has to miss a game, and Ryan Tannehill comes in and lights it up, and the Titans blow out whoever it is. Don't you think you have to at least think about it at that point?
1: No. Uh, (laughs) uh, Sorry, I'm going to jump in first. I think – I think you would if it was a rookie quarterback or somebody who you hadn't seen like completely collapse and have terrible stretches before. Like, you know what you're getting from Tannehill. And if you support him and you just saw one of his really good flashes and then he goes on a six game losing streak, are you going to go back to Mariota? Like, I mean, you would have presumed so, but then it's no longer his team. One of the biggest things he has going for him is that the whole locker room seemingly believes in him and is excited every time he makes a play. And. You know the sideline jumps and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, if you take that away from him, he's already got some confidence issues because of his health. Like you can tell, he's just not as in sync as he used to be. I think that's just kicking another leg out from under him. Uh, also, the I think I think there's only one scenario where that makes sense, and that's if it's Andrew Luck and the Colts. That that's the only scenario I can see where. It would be a big enough win to where the fan base and the, you know, John Robinson and the coaches would all say, like, okay, like, you know, they kind of slew the dragon. Maybe we stick with him for another week and let Mariota, quote unquote, get a little healthier.
0: What do you, I almost said, what do you think about Mariota? But I already know the answer (laughs) to that question. (laughs) Uh, I I just want to have this discussion because, you know, I think that. Well, first of all, the Titans aren't kidding themselves with Mariota. They aren't like one of these teams in quarterback purgatory that sit there for four years and they're like, oh, man, this is our guy. No, the Titans know what they have in Mariota. They know that Mariota is not a world beater, and they know that he needs to be a lot better this season or that he won't be on the team next season. And it's good that they're seeing that. But, I mean, I just kind of want to have, like, you know, the stereotypical sports talk radio discussion right now of, do you think Mariota's is going to pull it out?
2: I don't I don't know how to answer that honestly it just it's I mean very- he,
0: from a, from a personnel standpoint he is set up better than he ever has been. He's finally got a reliable wide receiver. Corey Davis is going to be great in year three. He's got Derrick Henry, who had a great finish to the season last year. They brought in a new guard and Roger Saffold. They're probably going to add someone else in the draft to help keep him upright. right. He's going to have Jack Conklin for a full year. They're not going to have to you know, worry about getting his legs under him or anything like that. He's going to have Delaney Walker back, arguably the best receiving tight end of the NFL now that Rob Gronkowski has retired. And if you can't succeed with that, There are no more excuses that exist. There's no more. There's not continuity with the system. There's no more. You don't have the weapons. It's all gone. They have eliminated the excuses.
2: So what exactly do we want to see? I think fans are more frustrated with the fact that he misses games than his actual overall efficiency. There are plenty of
0: quarterbacks that miss games, Ben Roethlisberger being one of them.
2: Rogers but, breaks his collarbone every other week. So. Yes. I, don't,
0: I don't want to see Mariota go out there and throw 13 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. I don't care if the Titans go 10 and 6. That's not worth $25 million. Uh
1: okay. So it's just a statistic thing. Okay. Are you more worried about the ratio It's not statistics. I don't like that word. I think production is a better word. Okay. You you want him to be You want there to be empiric empirical evidence that shows he is among the upper half of the league quarterbacks. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, is it a ratio thing? Is it a touchdown-interception thing? Or do you just want to see more volume? Like, let's say he has 16 touchdowns and 8 interceptions. Like, is that good? Or would you rather him have 25 touchdowns and 15 interceptions?
0: I just think I can get 16 touchdowns and 8 interceptions out of Ryan Tannehill, out of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't think you yeah, need but gonna I mean, gonna lose you to pay twenty five million dollars for
1: that, right? Like, Mario's interceptions are usually in like the first half of games, when or like the very start of the second half. They're very rarely in crucial situations, like right? two minute yeah. drills, the end of games, trying to find points in a hurry. He's always been really good at, it. and that's why he's always put the Titans in, a, in in a situation where they can win a game at the end. So that's one of those things. And there's a bunch of times where the ball ends up, especially last year, where the ball ends up on the one yard line and they hand it to Derek Henry and he gets the touchdown. Like that's something that doesn't really show up, but I mean, it shows up in the fact that Henry had what, like seven touchdowns in his last five games or maybe eight and four or five of them. No, sorry. Three or four of them were from the one yard line or like around that. So it's, it's unfortunate that it's been that way, but really, outside of Corey Davis, when Delaney Walker got hurt last year, he didn't have a red zone option to throw to. So, if the, if the other team has one good corner, your best option now becomes either run it with Mariota, run it with Derrick Henry, or throw to somebody not covered by the best player on the other team. So, I, I don't know. It's it's hard. I understand what you're saying. Like, and I, you know, I would really like another twenty plus touchdown season. Just for, I guess, the production of everybody around him. Like, I would like for other people to step up and fill those roles, especially at wide receiver. And I think he will, but, or I think they will. But, you know, at the end of the day, if he's driving them down to the one-yard line and Henry's scoring and they're, you know,
0: it's eight, just Yeah. Eight, when, uh, when, I, when I look at the, around the NFL at, at quarterbacks that I consider good quarterbacks, None of them are throwing 13 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. No, but- Andy Dalton's not throwing 13 touchdowns, 10 interceptions.
2: Right, but then you have a guy like Goff who's lining it up, and then when they actually need him on the team to come through, he completely craps the bed like he did in the Super Bowl because he's not actually as good as those numbers indicate. Right. So I don't know if, if numbers are really the way to, to judge a quarterback. Uh, a lot of the time, it is. Um, but I, 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 don't think touchdown to interception ratio is usually the best barometer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you have to look at the whole body of work, um, and a lot of the, a lot of the peripheral, peripheral numbers, um, which really weren't that bad last season for Mariota. I mean, his adjusted yard, yards per attempt, uh, was 7.2, uh, which is pretty much average to above average. Um and it was a full point better than his 2017 season. 2017 he was awful. There, there, I can yeah, I can I cannot he was argue.
1: Horrible in 2016. Yeah, 2016 he was great. Terrible. 17, or 17, or 17
2: Less, yes. he was rather. Yes, who's in the middle? Correct. Um and and of course the sack percentage. I a lot of the sacks were on him. Uh, I'll admit there there are times where he just needs to get rid of the ball or or make a quicker decision. Um, but uh, his his sack percentage his rookie year was also awful Um, and and a lot of that is mainly due to the o-line Uh, the o-line was really bad his rookie year and and it was Awful for most of the year last year Um, so I don't know. I just I don't know how to evaluate him I think he's a really good quarterback and I think his best ball is still in front of him um, the 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 biggest concern for me right now is his health because um, I, I don't know if you we want to talk about the Paul Kuharski article that came yeah, out we, about Yeah, we can
0: hit on that. So uh, go yeah. ahead and introduce that Matias
2: Well, so pretty much mariotto was playing with his entire body Um, <laughs> just destroyed last year Pretty much, uh, just had an assortment of different injuries that kept popping up throughout the year Um, and he tried to tough through it and then he couldn't play in the final game on uh, just because it was like a, a, a culmination of all those injuries um, and, and it was essentially career threatening that that final game for him to even try to play through um, So I, I don't think I don't think we can we can say that he's soft He, he absolutely oh, yeah. isn't and I don't think I don't think any football player Is, is really soft that they are playing a legitimately brutal sport um, The problem is, is his durability because he's missed a good amount of games um, and, and he would have missed more uh, in a lot of these years because um, a lot of them came deep in the season uh, where, where he only missed uh, one or two games um, That w- would have been season-ending if they had happened at any point in the season So the durability is obviously a concern um, and, and I'm more so concerned about uh, The types of injuries he, he sustained especially the nerve injury last year uh, that seems and he also got a stinger um, and a lot of that is uh, co- comes back uh, and is part of the nervous system. So that's what concerns me. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to have this lengthy career if he if his body keeps um, c- coming with uh, these types of injuries?
0: So I have a question for you, Will, because I know you played football in high school, and and I certainly did not. <laughs> How is it that one person can be more prone to injury? Than another because clearly it's not a toughness issue. That's not the problem. The problem is, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson didn't have a great offensive line last year, and he didn't have five million bumps and bruises and uh, on the injury report every week. But yet Mariota did. What is yeah. it? Uh, Mariota's doing something
1: wrong? Is it a body issue? What's going on with that? Um. F- first of all, like I think it's just. I think it's hard to fathom the impact when you're standing still in the pocket and you get hit. I think they've said uh, it's like equivalent to getting into a car crash, like the damage it does to your body. Like I think they've done studies, so it's a really like a really painful and difficult thing to go through. So first, but but doesn't
0: every quarterback get
1: hit? Well, okay, but, like, Deshaun Watson, like, also had, like, a collapsed lung and had to, like, ride a bus because he couldn't get on a plane. That, that's right. But I did forget about it, that. Yeah. It, it does happen more often than people think. And um, very, like, I don't think there's that many quarterbacks who play 16 games a season. And part of it is because, uh, if for whatever reason, it feels like being able to stay healthy is a skill in itself. Um, yeah, I mean, guys like Matt Ryan... Uh, Drew Brees, although he did have that one major shoulder injury, but like it seems like in for whatever reason, some guys just stay healthier than others. But I think it's more random than anything. The only time I don't agree with that is um, I always go back to Derrick Rose in basketball. He was mm-hmm. so violent the way he used to attack the rim, and like he he would just put such pressure on his lower body. And I mean, you, you watch him and he was electric. But there was a reason he was doing things that people don't is because he was just pushing his body harder than anybody else and when that gave away like the rest of uh, this sounds harsh but the rest of his career kind of went with it because his skill set was based so much off of that so like let's take mariota in his second year was it when he hurt his leg his knee i think um he like so he's a quarterback who's always been able to move around in the pocket his mobility and his vision and his processing ability are his you know, greatest strengths. So all of a sudden, you take away his mobility, and now everybody says, well, you need to stay in the pocket more when it was being in the pocket that hurt him. Yeah. So you've got a team that's playing more conservative, and they're like, okay, we're going to let you run out of the pocket less because we're afraid you're going to get hit. So, okay, well, now you're taking one of the things that makes him harder to sack because defensive ends have to mush, rush, and play contain. So you take that away from him so guys can start pinning their ears back. Okay, well, we're going to go to a more run-heavy scheme so that you can run more play action. Again, okay, that's fine, like on paper, but then what you're doing is you're loading up the box, and if it's a play action pass or something like that and a guy has no rush responsibilities, then all of a sudden he's straight towards your quarterback and you're running right into him. So there's several things... Changes throughout his career that they've done that make sense on paper, but then when you look at how defenses have responded, it's not doing what they've hoped it would do, and no coordinator has been around long enough to see that their plan doesn't work and change. It's always a new guy coming in saying, well, I can do this and everything will be fixed, which is a bad idea, and we'll see how it goes with Arthur Smith, and hopefully it's better because he's been around for a long time, but I think – really more than anything, it's a mental thing, not because he's soft, but because he's thinking about all these different things he's been told not to do that. Oh, and on top of it, he's had to replace, you know, starting caliber players with undrafted free agents and backups, especially last year. And it's just that kind of change is never easy for a quarterback. So You've got all these things going on in your head. You know, you're trying to process all this stuff. You've got a receiver who's 5'6 that you're throwing to, and a receiver that's 6'3 that you're throwing to, and they alternate sides. It's just hard to be consistent. And I think the less he less consistent he can be, the more he has to think, which leads to more injuries. But I mean, I don't think there I don't think he has brittle bones or there's anything inherently wrong with him, like anatomically. I think it's just all these different factors and bad game plan, refusal to go away from things that aren't working with the past two or three, or I guess just two, no, all three, uh, the offensive coordinators had, have led him down this path.
2: Yeah, and uh, it's not uncommon uh, for for athletes to, to shed an injury-prone label um, the farther they get into their careers. Um, you mentioned Derrick Rose, he's still playing and he yeah. played at a pretty high level this season. Granted, he's not the MVP type of talent. He used to be, but he's still a very, a very good basketball player who, who contributes a lot to a team. Um, it, it's happened in other sports too. Uh, it, there's a soccer player and his name is Sergio Canales. Um, he was like a wonder kid that was going to be the next big thing played at a really big club. But just kept getting injured, kept getting injured. And then now he's twenty eight, having the best season of his career, just called just got called up to his national team, and he hasn't missed a game in like three three consecutive seasons. So it, it's not uncommon for it, it, it wouldn't be uncommon if Mariota um plays sixteen games this year, play sixteen games next year, and then we, we he just completely sheds the label. It really wouldn't surprise me at all. Trying. of course there's always a chance plus injuries are so fluky sometimes i mean the the fractured tibia that or fibula whatever it was that he uh in that jaguars game that come on that that can happen to anyone
1: well i mean like there's all his injuries are weird you know he had a hamstring pull that he never got to fully recover from because uh matt castle was terrible he had uh <laughs> The leg injury, like we were just talking about, he had the nerve injury on a play that I've seen happen 100,000 times to running backs. And he's the first guy who's really gotten some kind of injury off of it. I mean, they're all random events, and maybe he's just unlucky. Like, maybe that's a big part of it is he's just happened to be in the wrong place several times. But The it, nerve the stuff
0: is, is bizarre.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, but it, the good thing is, is it's not the same thing over and over. He doesn't have a bum shoulder. It's not, you know, it's not bad knees or anything like that. It's not something that you can point to and say that's going to happen again. Which there's, there's a lot of guys that happens to, especially with ACL tears, because you know what is it? You're like thirty times or ten times or something crazy uh, more likely to injure. Uh, your ACL after you've injured one, so like either ACL. So it's one of those things where he doesn't have anything that should present long term issues. It's just for whatever reason he's been unlucky enough to have a plethora of injuries. So
2: yeah, it's like kind uh, of Rogers with his collarbone. I think he he's broken it twice already mm-hmm. in the past five years. Um, so yeah, I I, I don't think uh, I I th- I hope I hope that. Uh, these injuries don't uh, just accumulate over time. And also, another thing, uh, Rodgers, uh, he gets injured pretty often, uh, but a lot of the times he, he, he plays through it. Uh, last year, he got injured in in week one, uh, somehow came back uh, to, in week one uh, and won that game against the Bears. But he was playing with, with a tear in in his knee the entire season, and he had easily his worst season and, and honestly was a liability for a lot of it. So I know we always want these guys to to play through these these injuries. Uh, Sometimes it's not even worth it for them to do so. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about the draft. I I think this might be our first time doing that.
2: Wow. Exciting times. That's right.
1: The best part of the year.
0: (laughs) I want to run through, before we start talking about individual prospects and who we like and that kind of thing, with the 19th pick, The Titans have a lot of options, obviously, because they have several positions that need an upgrade. There are lots of pretty good prospects at those positions, which we'll get into momentarily. But they'll also have the option to trade up, trade down, as always. So without naming a player, give me your ideal scenario for the Titans at pick 19. Uh, Nick
2: Nick Bosa falls to 19. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's the ideal scenario right well yeah, yeah i mean
2: but realistically without uh,
0: using, without using names yeah oh, don't just be like don't just names. be like oh montez sweat like something yeah. like
2: oh oh hey. okay uh the best uh the def- the best edge rusher or the best defensive lineman falls to us in the draft i think that's that's the ideal scenario
1: okay okay, okay. i see what you're saying um, to me, the best thing that would happen is we're smart enough to trade up with a team who's desperate to trade down and we can give up a future asset or swap picks that really, you know, don't hurt us too much, you know, shorter, long-term and move up five or six spots and be in position to land somebody who, you know, probably should have gone top 10, top eight. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I read your article about, uh. Quentin Williams, and I think that might be a bit of a stretch, but...
1: Okay, well, like, should we talk about that, or... We'll talk
0: about it in a second. We'll talk about it in a second. Okay. Uh, Okay. I think they should trade down, because, especially after last season, only getting two, two, or, excuse me, three rookies on the team after the Luke Falk disaster, uh, you got to get some cheap talent in here if you're the Titans, and a lot of it, because... They're at a point or at least they're getting to a point with the roster where it's not like, okay, when we get our pass rusher, we're good. you know we get our interior defensive lineman, we're good. There's a lot of positions that if they don't need a starter, they at least could use a body. And so I think you got to if you're the Titans, consider the option of moving down.
2: I think it depends entirely on on how the draft plays out. Um, so, so if a really good player, um, at a position of need presents itself at 19 or maybe in a trade up scenario, maybe a, a couple picks, um, before the Titans pick, uh, I, I think it makes sense to stay or to trade up. Um, gr- granted, I, I, it's been a while since John Robinson has traded down. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does so, especially since we gave up that fourth round pick next year, um, in the Tannehill trade. Um, But it's just I I really don't know who's going to be there Um, if all if all of the top edge guys and and defensive linemen are gone uh, I I don't know if if they feel comfortable taking an interior offensive lineman there or or one of these receivers who Aren't exactly perfect prospects and and they definitely have their flaws Uh, It'll be interesting. I I, I would like to trade down uh, but but of course if you could get that that top level player at a position of need it would just really uh, improve the roster as a whole
1: yeah i mean i think robinson has shown in the past that he's more aggressive in trading up because it's saying this happens a lot is he kind of has a short list of six players he wants that you know reasonably will fall to his area and as soon as five of those six are gone he tries tries to trade up or just does trade up um he showed that not trading out of five and getting Corey Davis when it didn't seem like there was going to be any, be a run on wide receivers, but there was, and he was, you know, smart to get his guy. It, it's happened several times. Uh, I mean, obviously, you traded out of the first pick, but that was to also get, you know, a future first and three seconds or whatever it was. So, I mean, I think. I mean,
0: I, I think it's pretty clear he won that trade, right? Because yeah, yeah. the the Titans ended up with Corey Davis, Derrick Henry. Jack Honklin, Jonu Smith, Austin Johnson.
1: That's right. The Austin Johnson. Um, but, I, I mean, here, here's my issue. If you trade down, what do you get back? So if you trade from 19 to 25, you're probably going to get... you get a second or third a, round a, draft pick. You'll, you'll get a second yeah. round one probably. Okay, so where is this class deep? Like you could maybe get a defensive tackle that has a chance to start next year uh, in the third round. You could maybe get a wide receiver, but the the kind of the opportunity cost of doing that is you're gonna for sure miss out on an edge rusher, even if there's one left. And you're like, well maybe we can slip down. You're probably gonna miss on the top offensive lineman. Uh, whether you think that's Bradbury or McCoy or Lindstrom or whoever, you're probably going to miss on the top interior offensive lineman. Um, he yeah. really just kind of put himself in a weird position because the the draft is not deep at interior offensive linemen. So you really have to try to find a way to get one of those guys in the first or second round. Um, I I just don't know if there's that much value in adding a third-round pick. Because I understand the the idea that you want cheap talent on your team, but you also want good players. So, like, I would rather trade for a guy who has a Rashawn Evans-type impact rather than trade down and pick up a guy who has a Johnu Smith-type impact.
0: Let's... Start talking about players, and just kind of from a general standpoint. In future episodes, we'll get you know Coburn and Mello and others on to talk kind of more specifics. But just kind of where I'm sitting right now, my opinion is if I'm on the clock at 19 and I'm not trading down, and Garrett Bradbury is there, it would be hard for me to pass on that. And I know Will, you like a sort of the number two guy in this class. Is his name is is leaving me right now. Yeah, say that again. I don't know that the mic picked you
1: up. uh, Eric McCoy. He's the Texas M-Center.
0: Yeah, uh, and I just like Garrett Bradbury, and I like the idea of that because I think Garrett Bradbury would be a good fit in this sort of movement-based zone system. But furthermore, I think back to what the Cowboys were able to do when they nabbed Travis Frederick and Zach Martin. And, you know, Roger Saffold could theoretically be the Titans' Zach Martin – and you bring in Travis Frederick and pair those two guys together, and and, and now – or not Travis Frederick. You bring in uh, Garrett Bradbury and, and pair those guys together, and then the left side of your offensive line is Le'won Saffold, and Bradbury. I mean, that's hard to pass up.
2: Yeah, hopefully Bradbury would be Travis Fred- Frederick. That would be uh, – Yeah. Uh, quite I mean, yeah, but, I'm making that
0: comparison. like One of the best players at that position, but you, know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah.
2: Uh, to be honest, I haven't watched a single second of any of these offensive linemen. Oh, I haven't either. I haven't but, either. I haven't. I have, I've watched a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, of I'll, I'll defer to Will, uh, but, but by all accounts, uh, McCoy is, is very good. Lindstrom is very good. Uh, Bradbury, in particular, is, is more athletic and probably fits his zone scheme better than these guys from from what I've read. Um, and, and I think it's really important to get an athletic offensive lineman, especially because we have – uh, Luan and Saffold on the left both are really good in space. They can move very well. Uh, perfect for his own scheme. Um, and we got rid of Klein, who was not athletic at all. wasn't good at pulling. wasn't really wasn't really good at anything. Um, and Ben Jones isn't particularly athletic, but but he's good when um, uh, he he can be good in his own scheme. He's shown it in the past. Um, and I think whether he's playing guard or center, I, I think he could still be an adequate. Adequate blocker in the on the line as long as um, as long as Conklin is back to his old ways, or even if Dennis Kelly plays like he did uh, last year. So I, I wouldn't hate a, a taking a guard at 19, uh, especially if a lot of the the good edges are gone.
1: If Jones is your fifth best starter on your offensive line, you're in a good place. Like he can definitely be the worst guy on your offensive line. You could still have a really good offensive line. Um, so here's the thing. Garrett Bradbury is really good. Everybody loves him. This, that, and the other. He never had to play top competition except for Clemson. And when he did, he got driven back off of his uh, kind of line when he would try to run his zone. You know, especially when he was going against Wilkins, which I don't know if that's Wilkins' best tape, but it's maybe the most production he's had against a top tier player. Um,. All this to say that Garrett Bradbury is a really solid guy who I think will excel in his own scheme, but he's not, I mean, I don't think he's Alex Mack. Like he's not this guy who, you know, everybody's like, he's not Ryan Kelly, I guess is the better recent example where everybody knew Ryan Kelly was going to be good. It's just who was going to be able to spend a first round pick on him you know who had fewer holes and it ended up being the Colts and it was a bad pick for him for a long time because he stayed hurt and all this kind of other stuff. But I mean, his talent has never been the question mark. It's just his health. That's been the question mark. So I don't know that Bradbury is that guy. Um, And I definitely don't think he's that much better than McCoy. So spending the first round pick on him, I'm really iffy about, Uh, I really, you know, if you're wanting to talk about trading down, If you want to do that, what the Titans should do is they should trade down out of 19, pick up a third-round pick, and then wait until pick 38 or something, and then flip their second and two-thirds and move up and get whichever interior offensive lineman is there. Because really there's three, maybe four, uh, really good interior offensive linemen, and that's uh, the two centers, Lindstrom and... uh, I don't know how you say his first name but jenkins the center from mississippi state it's like elgton
2: elgton jenkins yeah. yeah,
1: uh, he he's really solid. So like those are the four guys. I would consider the top 50 uh, draft picks which are the average to above average not probably just above average to very good uh, starters on the offensive line so you know The Titans are at a point where if you don't get one of those guys, I really don't care if you don't draft one at all. Because I think Corey Levin and Kevin Pamfield and Ben Jones should you know, two of those guys starting on your offensive line are probably not gonna kill you. Like it, it won't be the best situation for you. But if you know if in exchange you get a top edge rusher and a good wide receiver, then I would rather do that than reach for a bad offensive lineman.
2: Man, I, I was going to say I, I don't see interior offensive linemen like flying off the board. Uh, but I just looked at last year's draft, and there were three guards and three centers that went within the first thirty-nine picks, uh, and, and that surprises me. So I, I think if they want to get one of those interior linemen, they're they're either going to have to trade trade down from nineteen or trade up from from fifty in order to do so. Um, unless they just use 19 as is, uh, for one of them,
1: yeah. I, I honestly like, I think in their heads they want to trade up, and we can talk about Quinn and Williams in a second. Uh, but I think they would probably make more sense to trade up from 51 than it would from 19.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, Moving forward, I think we're probably going to follow the same format we did last year where we do a few episodes where we just preview prospects at positions that, that the Titans need. And so we'll either start with interior defensive line or edge rushers. But as we kind of close out this sort of general episode of the edge rushers, because I think there's probably a good chance, as we've talked about before we started recording, that maybe an Ed Oliver's there, or Christian Wilkins is there. But from the edge rushers, who's a realistic guy who could be there at 19 that is worth the 19th pick? Because as we've kind of talked about, there's probably no Sweat. Or there's probably no Allen, certainly no Nick Bosa. So who is there?
2: Yeah, I think the next two are, are Burns, Brian Burns and, and Cleland Farrell. Um, uh, me, Will and I have been talking about Brian Burns since, like, I don't know, literally – a year ago, yeah, uh, we
1: d- watched him, and he was the best defensive lineman on yeah. Florida State, and everybody was falling in love with Sweat when he was clearly the better player.
2: Yeah, he he's just really good. He does a lot of things well. Um, tested really well at the combine. Uh, weighed in way more than I thought. He weighed in at, at 250 pounds uh, when it looked like he was playing in his mid two thirties in college. So that gives me a lot of hope for his. For his long-term outlook which already was high um because he's just one of these guys if you put him on the other side of landry those are two guys that are so hard to block because they're so quick they have elite speed um, they're really good at bending um, and Ber- burns he's just he's just a really good overall player um, he's not particularly the best run defender um, but I, I don't think that really matters, uh, especially in a three, four defense. Um, so I would love him. I haven't watched Farrell all that much. Um, but Farrell's probably a, a more realistic option because Burns tested so well uh, and, and he has good production, um, in college that I, I don't know if he's going to make it to 19. Uh, he'd probably be a guy that you'd have to trade up for.
1: Yeah. Farrell's got at least- that I agree 100% with Matias. Um, Farrell's the guy who seems like the right scheme fit because he's more of your Derrick Morgan. I mean, he's more athletic, and he's a better pass rusher. But he's very stout against the run. He's heavy-handed. He's somewhere around 280, 275 is probably where he'll play. Um, he's just a really good, solid defensive end. And, you know, he's not a guy who, you know, if they're going to play 3-4, he probably can't drop into coverage. But honestly, they shouldn't do that anyway. Like, it's it's stupid to do that too frequently. And if they do it, they should probably do it with Landry. It's So don't put your players in a bad position like they used to do with Casey where they would drop him back. Um, you, you want him setting the edge and rushing the passer every play. And I think he's kind of the perfect complement to Landry in that mm-hmm. You know, you have your strong side and your weak side defensive end. So, if that's the way they want to play it, I, I would totally go after. I think it's actually pronounced Pharrell, and I'm going to say Pharrell forever. So no, I'm
2: not. That, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's my correction. Um, so I'm going to say it wrong from here on out, and I know I'm saying it wrong. So I don't care. Ugh.
2: It's Mariota. Um, it's still Mariota. Yeah, no, just you're kidding, kidding. Just kidding.
1: Um. <laughs> but burns uh so i love burns we've talked about burns forever we've you know dm'd highlight clips and everything he's he's awesome the best thing i've heard about him is that he's extremely coachable and that's been and you can tell like he used to post uh videos of him practicing his hand usage and pass rush moves in the off season like I think is as much as two years ago he used to do this. So he's always been working on how to get better. And you can tell with his hands that like he knows what he's doing. So really the only concern with him is his size. He's a freak athlete. And Cameron Wake has talked a lot about, you know, when I came in the league, I had Joey Porter and Jason Taylor and they mentored me. And like if he fully believes that and, you know, it transfers that. And gets Harold Landry, who's also extremely coachable, and Brian Burns, and really gets them to buy in and do what's made him and those other guys so successful slash Hall of Fame, you know, defensive ends. Then you could really see two bookend defensive ends in Tennessee for the first time since. Did Javon Curse and Van Bosch ever play together? Because I mean, it would be that it would be that level of two very athletic, very hardworking. Guys who can rush the passer, who also can contribute in the run game, it would it would yeah. fundamentally change the defense. I'll
0: yeah. say this: the more time that passes, the more I love that Cameron Wake signing. Yeah, I, cool
1: especially.
2: I, I was gonna say about Farrell uh, or Farrell, whatever. Um, <laughs> I think if we draft him, I think we have like totally different uh, defensive ends, outside linebackers among the top four uh, of our edges because Landry, Farrell, Wake, and Finch are kind of all different, and, and I think they could all uh, bring something different to the defense. I, I think that's pretty cool, uh, just because I think Burns and Landry are maybe not redundant, but they're, they're more alike um, than yeah. Farrell would be.
0: Yeah, I, I like that you say that, because I don't think the Titans need to go out here and get another right. bendy speed guy. Because last year, they clearly needed that, because what they had... Incumbent was a and Morgan. Well, now both those gone. Your incumbent is the speed bendy guy, so you need someone to set the edge,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, it, I agree with that to an extent. The only thing is, is like you've got to get to Andrew Luck, like you're, yeah, but role- you
0: also can't get out physical every week,
1: yeah, but. You can add bodies to the defensive uh, to, the, to the line to stop that from happening. If you take away the like the three, I know mean, you can't really take the three. If you take away the five-step drop from Andrew Luck and Deshaun Watson because your guys are screaming over the edge, or they're having to leave Eric Ebron or whoever the Texans have it tied in by the time the season starts, you know, if they're having to leave those guys in to block, you've won. So, I mean. Right now, there should be like big, bold letters on the offseason plan, and it should just be like, find ways to hit Watson and Luck. Like You need to get them on the ground and as dirty as frequently as you can, because that's what the Jets did to the Colts, and they beat the mess out. I mean, they killed them. Like, And the Jets are not a good team, but they were physical and they got to the quarterback and they hit luck and that's all it took. Like that's what the Texans did the first time they played each other is they got to Andrew Luck. So if you can find ways to get to Andrew Luck and keep him from being so comfortable and so clean in the pocket, he will cave and make mistakes as he kind of has done, you know, his whole career. But the Titans have just never had a defense that could take advantage of that. So, I mean, if you're thinking about getting to the playoffs, the easiest path is always through your own division. And there's a clear issue with the protection in Houston and with the fact that they're not going to want Andrew Luck to get hit 50 times a game. And I would rather have Mac or uh, the other running back have the ball, you know, 30 to 40 times a game than have Andrew Luck drop back 50 times.
2: Agreed. Yeah.
1: Well,
0: that's going to do it for us this time. Next time you see us, we will be back with our positional previews because we're getting into this. How long are we away? Like five weeks?
1: Uh, Four weeks from Thursday. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Crazy. Crazy. Will, are you coming to the draft? I I don't know. It's back and forth. I'm not sure. My sister-in-law keeps asking me if we can go, so (laughs) we'll we'll see. But I'm cautiously optimistic that I'll go, but like I said, we'll
2: see. I
0: was talking to a buddy last week, and he said, "You know, I just hope it's not raining. How miserable would that be?
2: Just standing it, out there in it the will rain. Be,
1: it'll be as miserable as if we draft Dexter Lawrence with our first-round pick. <laughs> like I would that, rather somebody <laughs> continuously pour buckets of water on me than for that to be our pick.
0: <laughs> that was a tease for our defensive line preview <laughs> episode coming <laughs> coming in uh, in a week or so. But until then, for Matthias and Will, I'm Luke. Thanks for listening to the Titan Size Podcast. In-depth draft coverage starts next time, and we will see you all then.